Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hyotar, our live weekly wrestling show and the official podcast of ProWrestling.Cool. It's not just cool, it's dot cool. We are here to talk about this past week in the WWE, which means we're going to talk Raw, we're going to talk SmackDown Live, we're going to briefly talk about NXT, and of course, we're just another week closer to Survivor Series. I'm Owen. Join with me is nobody. There's no one here. Because, uh, I don't know where John is. He's missing. He said he was going to be here, but he's not, and it's showtime, so we're just going live. If he's able to join us throughout the show, he will call in, but you're stuck with me. We are streaming live over at Twitch at twitch.tv slash ozoneonline, and for the first time, we're streaming on YouTube. Which, uh, I don't have a URL for that. Just look up for cool on YouTube. Hopefully, eventually, they'll give us a custom URL for that. So, yeah, so, if you're in the chats, I'm by myself, so please feel free to chime in. And, welcome to Heel Turn. Usually, this is the part of the show where we have banter, but I don't have anyone with me. So, I'll just say, this past week, I've been playing Super Mario Odyssey, which is a pretty good game. I've beaten the story, I've beaten the secret last level and uh, now I'm just going around collecting the rest of the moons and it's it's pretty good if, if you have a Nintendo Switch and you don't have Mario Odyssey why why do you even have it if your answer is because I'm playing Picross or I'm playing Splatoon sure that's good but also you should get the Mario game it's because it's a Nintendo system it's it's what you do see that's what I've been up to uh Update on my knee. My knee is still messed up. I'm going to get an MRI next week and hopefully find out what's up with that. But yeah, that still hurts. We got PAX coming up in Philadelphia in a couple weeks. So Heel Turn will still be broadcasting live because people aren't arriving until the day after. So do not worry about that one. So yeah. I got. I have nothing else really to banter about. It's a short banter because I'm, again, by myself. So I guess it is time to head into wrestling news. Alright, so the first bit of news comes from the WWE, and um, right after we recorded the podcast last week, well actually it was more, I believe it was on Sunday that all this news broke, is that the WWE decided to release three superstars all from the Raw brand. And that being Emma, Darren Young, and Summer Rae. And uh, in regards to Emma, I had heard some backstage stuff about her positioning the company being kind of iffy. Which, to be fair, it's been that way the entire time she's been in the company. With the whole, oh, she got fired because she stole an iPhone case and all that business few years ago, but yeah. Um, it looked like she was having a big push near the end, but unfortunately, it, it's apparently over now. She had those two matches with Asuka last week, and now she's gone. John last week was super excited trying to tell me, oh, she's getting pushed, this is finally, I'm getting good at my matches. But unfortunately, that is the end of her. Um... I'm hearing that it, that all these were firings and not asking for releases, because initially I thought she was asking for her release. 
but that is not the case. This was a firing. Emma is now gone from the company, and it's, it's a bummer. I liked her a lot. I remember the first NXT TakeOver Arrival show that I actually flew down to to see. She was in the, the women's championship match against Paige, and it was one of the best women's wrestling matches I'd seen up until, of course, the Bailey-Sasha Banks match at TakeOver Brooklyn. So it's a real shame for her. Hopefully, you know, with this big push at the end of her run in WWE, she'll be able to work elsewhere. Maybe a Ring of Honor. Hopefully not an Impact Wrestling. Uh, pretty much anywhere she wants. She might go back to Australia. Who knows? Regarding Summer Rae, not much to say about that one. She was injured. She didn't have a lot going for her since the brain extension. They haven't really used her outside of Total Divas, so it's a real bummer. Friend of the show mistaken, it was a huge fan of hers, but apparently she is now gone from the company. I really thought she was going to make a comeback from her injury and at least try to make an impact. Because she's actually a decent wrestler. Like, they didn't really give her much to do on the main roster. But that's, that's a real bummer for her. Darren Young is a weird one. Because Darren Young has been a huge advocate for the anti-bullying stuff, for the LGBT rights, you know. He was, I believe, the first openly gay wrestler in the WWE. And they touted that when when he opened up, and it was a big deal. And he's been a great ambassador. I've been seeing him on social media, attending a bunch of charity events and all that. So the fact that he's gone is a real head-scratcher. I know he was in. he was also on an injury... From, uh, I believe, earlier this year. So he's been on the road recovery. Still doing all the charity events. Still running around for the WWE. Representing them. And now he is also gone. So that's a, that's a head-scratcher for me. I'm not sure why they would release him. So yeah, those were the three releases. I had heard that there might be more coming. But as of right now, those have not come to fruition. Most likely, they would come... Th- Again, from the raw side, so it sucks to see people lose their jobs. I hope, I hope it's not true. I hope, hope people are going to continue to keep their jobs, but we will keep a close eye on that one. Uh, speaking of people losing their jobs, the next bit of news is a real downer. So Anthem, everyone knows Anthem. You know, fuck that owl. They bought Impact when it was dying and continued to make terrible decisions. The whole hearty feud they got going on with the rights of the broken characters. Well, they've done another horrible thing for the world of wrestling because if you if you guys don't know, there is a, a radio program slash a podcasting network of sorts called Live Audio Wrestling, which uh, I have quite a few friends who work there. And have been, you know, really instrumental in getting me into the wrestling journalism game. And now, apparently, they don't have jobs. Because they've they've canceled Live Audio Wrestling. Apparently, they're going to reboot it with whole new people or something. They're taking a hiatus right now. So, that's uh, Jason Agnew, John Pollock waiting, uh, Brain Harrington, uh, Jimmy Corderas, ev- everyone. Pretty much everyone that's involved with that is now gone from the Fight Network, and it's all thanks to Anthem. 
Uh, Dave Meltzer had said that this is kind of due to the whole impact, this, uh, the acquisition of Impact destroying their television, uh, their you know the revenue for television. So this is unfortunately one of the casualties. Is a institution that's been in the wrestling journalism game for over twenty years. Again, really great guys. I've had so many great experiences talking with these guys. They've been helping me out, and. I've been a big fan of theirs for years, so it's it's a huge bummer to see them go. Um, John Pollock and Wade Ting, the guys who do the uh, the Raw and SmackDown reviews, and also review old uh, old shows on their podcasts, apparently put up independent podcasts for reviewing Raw and SmackDown this week, which is fantastic. I listen to them. It they're they're bummed out that they lost their jobs, but they're gonna hopefully find a way to keep doing this thing. And I wish them the best because they, again, are phenomenal people. What they do is great. They have a very interesting take on professional wrestling. Way better than me and John's. So, best of luck to them. Hopefully they get something going on. Maybe start up a Patreon or something. Works well for us over at patreon.com slash pwc. little cheap plug there. So yeah. That's a shame for them. The next bit of news is that Hideo Itami has been, you know, Hideo Itami has had a rough time in WWE with NXT. You know, constantly getting injured when he's getting pushed. He had a recent heel turn that was going well, then again, on the shelf again. It looks like what they're finally going to just push him up to the main roster. That's the good news. The bad news is that it looks like he's going to 205 Live. Because he's a smaller guy, and of course, where else do the smaller guys from the independents go but the 205 Live? It works so well for Austin Aries, you know? So so wonderful. Put him, put him in there with Denzel Amore and all those people. It's, it'll be wonderful. I'm sure nothing terrible could come from this. It's, it, just ask Kira Tozawa. He's doing wonderful. I mean, I, I still like him, but no one's watching what he's doing because it's again 205 live. We don't even cover that show on this podcast because it's that terrible. Though they did have a Halloween segment this week that was better than Raw's, which I will get to because I in fact did write some stuff down for Raw since I was not prepared to cover it. But our pal John is not here and the show must go on. And uh, one more bit of news, which I need to actually look up the details for this one. Because it is real, real dumb. So this week, the WWE travel packages uh, for WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans went on sale. And you may think, oh, that's great. You know, you get your hotel, you get your tickets to all the shows, you get access. Good stuff. But there's a lot of different packages this year. And the top one is so... I don't even know how to describe it. This is a weird one. So let me pull it up. It is the once-in-a-lifetime package for WrestleMania 34. And this is what you get. Okay, you get ringside seats to WrestleMania. Awesome. Ringside seat to NXT TakeOver New Orleans. Fantastic. 
keep going. You get a behind the scenes experience with the WWE superstars. I mean, that's cool. So it's going to be uh, before NXT TakeOver. So you get to see a bunch of those guys. That's neat. An exclusive reception with WWE superstars prior to WrestleMania. Food and beverage included. That sounds fine. And you get a New Orleans area hotel. Which, again, comes with all the packages. Here's the interesting thing. No Raw or SmackDown Live tickets with that. That's weird, right? Then, instead of those, they give you a private charter flight with WWE Legends. One, they don't tell you which Legends, so it could be anyone. Two, here's the caveat. It is a flight to and from New York City. So, it doesn't matter where else in the world you live, you would have to fly to New York first, then get on a flight to New Orleans. So, even if that's... If you're, like... Closer to New Orleans. If you're like on the west coast of the U.S., you have to fly all the way to the east coast and then down just to travel with some unknown hodgepodge of WWE legends. Why? <laughs> like, this is the most expensive package. Why would you do that? And also, it's a maximum of two people per group for that one. Whereas the Mardi Gras package, which is the one right below that, gets you tickets to all the shows, you get the reception... You get a Mardi Gras experience, which is a tour of a mask-making workshop, which is pretty cool. And you get to down all that. That's less expensive. Why would anyone go for the other one when you can go for the one where you get to do cool stuff in New Orleans? I, I don't know. It's, it's a weird one to me. So, yeah. That's, that's what we got for uh, WrestleMania travel packages. Uh... My buddy Dan Reichert apparently bought a travel package. I don't know which one he got. I really... He's in New York, so he could get this really stupid one with the charter flight. But I don't think he would do that. That's just... Again, it, but it, this guy's insane, so maybe. I'd assume he'd probably get the, uh, the VIP or the Platinum. You know, not go that crazy. Because again, it would, he's getting it for two people. Or, or more. I know him and his wife are going, so that's good for them. I will, of course, be spending a ton of money to go to the Royal Rumble in January, because I I don't know any better. It's in Philadelphia. It's in my town. The last Royal Rumble was so great with Roman Reigns winning. Why, why, why not just spend a whole ton of money to watch another one of those? <sighs> so yeah, that's, that's it. For the wrestling news, if anyone in the chat has any other topics you'd like me to cover, just, again, post them in the chat, and I would be happy to discuss it with you. Double-check in the chats. We're good. And, alright, so let's move on to Monday Night Raw. So, Monday Night Raw was a night of a bunch of returns... First off, on the top of the show, we saw the return of Stephanie McMahon, who technically was around during the whole Vince McMahon getting headbutted on SmackDown, but I'm guessing that counts as a non-canonical. I, I'm not. I'm not sure how to how we do that. How we count that one? 
And, um, yeah, so she came out and she set up the whole storyline of, hey, Kurt, you let SmackDown invade because you didn't, you trusted Shane McMahon. Well, how could you? Everyone got beat up. We look bad. Ah. So now you're the captain of Team Raw, and if you guys don't win, you get fired. Because last time, Stephanie went went head-to-head with the general manager overall. That went so well. Remember that stuff with McFoley? Wasn't that long ago. It was earlier this year. Wasn't good then. Still not good now. It's it's nice to see Kurt get back into the ring again, but this is a weird caveat where I'm a SmackDown guy, and I want SmackDown to win, but also, does Kurt losing mean he just gets to stay on the roster as an active wrestler and not the general manager? Because I don't know if I want him wrestling, like, often. Though we're kind of getting him wrestled two months in a row, which is kind of weird. So, we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that one, but uh, 70 being back, not not a great addition. A good addition, though, is that Nia Jax came back, because word had been going around, she had asked for some time off, which apparently was only a couple weeks. Who knows, she's back now. And she is on the, the, the Raw Women's Survivor Series team with uh, Captain Alicia Fox doing her dirty work on Raw and uh, just demolishing people. Demolishing, I believe it was Bailey she demolished, which is... Huh. She, she was really falling down the rungs real quickly, didn't she? Real shame for Bailey, but yeah, Nijax is back. That's good, because Raw needs a powerful person to go head-to-head with Tamina, who's already announced to be on the women's t- team. So seeing those two go to head- head-to-head could be a fun... Fun moment in the Survivor Series match, so that's good. That's good. I'm happy to happy to see that. Happy Nia Jax is back. But what I'm really happy about is that Samoa Joe immediately came back after Nia Jax's match, and because they're in the Northeast in Baltimore, everyone's real pro Joe because Joe is awesome. And he immediately turned back on the fans in his promo and said, "You guys." Didn't didn't check up on me enough. I hate you all. Don't don't chant for me. I'm gonna destroy Apollo Cruz, which he did. Because being Apollo Cruz means so much. I mean, it's good to have Joe come back in dominating fashion. So it's good to have him back. The two minor people came back. Interestingly, is Bo Dallas being part of the Mystery again and JoJo ring announcing. These two had been missing because they were in quarantine after the whole mumps, meningitis, whatever outbreak that happened a few weeks ago. So the fact that they're all clear and they're back, good news. Bray Wyatt reportedly was back, backstage, was not used on the show. Probably for the best, because last time we saw Bray Wyatt, he was doing that whole Sister Abigail thing. We, We don't need to ever bring that up again. Never happened. It never happened. So yeah, it's it's good to have those people back. Raw has really been hurting. Need they need that talent? Because if you saw our stats article last week, uh, because of all the people disappearing, the top ten had people with losing records, 
And that's really not a good sign for your show when you can't even find 10 people who are doing well. Well, win-loss-wise, obviously. But speaking of winners and losers, Asuka had a match on Raw. And her normal punching bag, Emma, is gone, as we talked about in the news section. So she got to fight some jobber and beat the crap out of her real dominantly. It was pretty great, actually. I understand it not being her first match being on a pay-per-view to have a match like that, but this is the match Asuka needed. So I'm real happy to have her dominating, kicking ass, looking like a monster that she should. Curious if they'll uh, get her onto the Survivor Series team, and if she is, how, like, you can't have her lose in that match, right? Like, she would need to be disqualified, or thrown, or something would need to happen to her for her to be, for Raw not to win. Or else, clearly Raw has to win. Because you can't have Asuka losing on the main roster that quickly, if you're bringing up the whole undefeated streak, super dominant, Empress of Tomorrow stuff. So I'm curious to see how they handle Asuka going forward. If she will actually be in the Survivor Series match, or if they'll ask her and she'll say no. It, I mean, they need to find five women. Let's see, they got Nijax. They got Alicia Fox. I'm, uh, Alexa Bliss is busy. I guess Mickey James could be in there, along with Sasha and Bailey. Like, that could be the team. Not not sure. We will we will see in the coming weeks. Um. And uh, Bubba in the chat says uh, that's the reason winning streaks are bad. Coming, bad comes forward. Exactly, as I had mentioned, there's no real win. There's no win scenario outside of. Raw having to win the match if she's put into the Survivor Series team. So, there you go. And th- thank you, Bubba, for tuning in and being in the chat, because, again, I am by-, by myself this week. John is missing. Don't know where he is. He was talking to me before the show and just vanished. I think Raw was too much for him. He just couldn't handle anymore. So I'm I'm done with wrestling. I have have to get out. And that's why you have me over here recapping Raw. However, there is one positive thing going on with Raw, and that is Drew Gulak. He is the only positive thing in the Cruiserweight division, and I'm happy he exists. And oddly enough, him pairing up with Enzo, kind of working. I'm kind of into it. Because when Enzo didn't have his voice uh, the other week, they had Drew Gulak cutting the promo for him. And now they just have him cutting the promo for him anyway, because Drew Gulak's the best. And he actually properly spells soft, because it's not a hard word to spell. It's got four letters. Not not five, like Enzo believes. So him cutting the promo in the whitest way possible for Enzo was fantastic. It's just a shame that he can't seem to win matches. Like, I know he won a match on 205 Live last week, but when it comes to Raw, I I don't think Drew Gulak's been in a singles victory ever. And it's a bummer. I I think he's the best. 
clearly his PowerPoint presentation stuff is super over. He is super entertaining. I've been saying it since day one that he is a superstar, and he is too good for this division, and yet here we are. Hopefully, if this whole Cruiserweight thing fails, uh, they can move him to the main roster with uh, with Tony Nese and have them as a tag team. Because they're fun together. I like those two. What else do we have here from Raw? Alright. So, uh, so Daniel Bryan, SmackDown General Manager, all-around good guy, Lumberjack Dad, Mr. I I'm going to wrestle in Ring of Honor after I'm done with WWE because I'm an insane person. He showed up on Raw and tried to explain to Kurt Angle what was going on with the whole invasion thing and how it's a whole misunderstanding. He had nothing to do with it. But Kurt, being an asshole, locked him in his office, uh, turned out the lights, and had Kane come in and murder him. Which, I'm going to give WWE credit. This is kind of clever. With the darkness, you could actually have uh, Danny Bryan get chokeslammed without him taking the actual bump, because for real, Danny Bryan, you should not be taking bumps. You might die. We do not want that. So the fact they had this phantom bump and him stretchered out was brilliant. Real, real happy with that. It uh, lights an extra fire under SmackDown with uh, their lovable general manager getting wiped out. So that that was cool, but Kane wasn't done because apparently Kane just wants to kill everyone. He killed Finn Balor. He he attacked the Shield. Like Kane just pretty much went on a rampage on this episode, trying to establish that he's a monster. Which uh, later in the episode we got a real monster show up. So I, I, these two aren't gonna, Braun Strowman and Kane aren't going to have a match at Survivor Series, right? Because it's a whole. Brand versus brand book show. They'd have to have this match on television because Raw does not have a pay per view in December. It's similar to the thing earlier, a few months ago, where Raw was the only ones with a pay per view right after SummerSlam. And uh, SmackDown was left with that one. So I guess they're going to build up to a television match because the only other time they could do it is the Royal Rumble. And that's in late January. That's forever away. <laughs> So yeah, I guess I'll give, I mean, and Braun's also, that's right, Braun is in the Survivor Series match, so he can't, he's not going to be eligible to wrestle him at the pay-per-view, which, uh, again, I need to remind you, it's four hours, they're going to have a four-hour show, and they have not booked that many matches, like, are the Survivor Series matches going to be like an hour long or something, to fill this time, they're also going to have a two-hour pre-show, it's it's maddening. I, I, I don't know. Are, are they doing a, a Survivor Series uh, match with the Cruiserweights still? No, because they're having the title match, aren't they? With Kalisto and Enzo? It's weird. This this, this show, I, I don't know what they're doing. They need to fill out a card or something. It's only a couple weeks away. I believe it's like two or three weeks from now. So, yeah, it... This will be interesting, especially if they're going to just have Kane and Braun Strowman uh, culminate to a, a television match. That's 
kind of a waste. This this is this is a match you could put on pay per view. A match you could not put on pay per view, or you shouldn't even put on television for that matter, is uh, the Trick or Street fight that went down between Heath Slater and Rhino against uh, the Good Brothers, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. Now I I had heard some stuff earlier this week where people were saying, oh, the Gallows and Anderson removed WWE mentions from their Twitter profile. It must mean they're being let go from the company. Oh no. Whereas, uh, no, that's not what's going on. They're in fact flying out to Europe. I guess they're currently in Europe now for their tour. You wouldn't be flying people out, you know, for that if you're going to be firing them. So don't, don't believe people are saying that. Unless something changes dramatically, I'm pretty sure they're okay. Raw needs tag teams. Despite the fact that they're not really using them that much, they still need them. So yeah, this trick, there's trick or street fight. Uh, I don't know. Also, Bubba in the, the chat says that Survivor Series matches always take a million years. And recently, yeah, you're kind of right. I think the men's match last year was like, had to be like 40 minutes. It was a really long one. So, you got, I mean, you don't have a tag team Survivor Series match this year. They haven't announced one. And I don't know if they have enough teams to fill out one. Because I think uh, the the Bludgeon Brothers, the Ascension, and uh, the Rizanga are a whole busy with whatever their weird thing is that they're doing. Which we'll get to when we get to SmackDown. But yeah, this this trick or street fight was it was bad. A friend of the show, Oscar, was chatting with me uh, privately, trying to tell me how great it was to him. And I, what what planet are you on where you think that this was a decent wrestling match? I mean, the the Rhino Heath Slayer being Santa Claus made no sense. The fact that the uh, the Good Brothers put pumpkins on their heads incorrectly and then, you know, totally blind themselves and trying to do moves without being able to see was stupid. It wasn't even pumpkin pie that they were using. I don't even know what kind of pie it was. It like that's there was nothing there was nothing redeeming about this match. It was a waste of time. It was messy. Both you know technically and uh, literally, it was messy. It was bad. And uh, Bubba in the chest says, I legit don't know who the Raw Tag Champs are. That's how important they are right now. It is actually, believe it or not, it's Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. Like, they're doing a bunch of shit on their own. Apparently they they have these belts, too, for some reason. And they're going to fight the the Usos at Survivor Series. And that's actually going to be a good match. I'm looking forward to that. It doesn't matter if they have... The belts don't matter, but... At least these two teams will have a awesome match. Hopefully, again, a little biased because I'm on Team Blue. I hope that the Usos get the win because they've they've been just brilliant ever since this whole change in character and this whole the feud they just went off of with the New Day has elevated them to whole new levels. Whereas Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose are kind of still spinning their wheels because they don't really have competition. On Raw. And how many times are they going to fight the bar? I mean, they're still fighting them. 
And Bubba in the chat says, fun and good wrestling are not necessarily related. Look at the Attitude Era. And that is true. Like, I think that this tag this tag match at Survivor Series will be both fun and good. Because these two, like, the Usos. Like, did you watch the Hell in a Cell match? They had the New Day. Like, that was fun. And also, it was an exciting match. Whereas this trick or street fight, I don't think it was fun, and I don't think it was. But clearly, it wasn't good wrestling. But I don't think it was fun either. Like it's silly, oh they got pumpkins and stuff. But like, if you want to see a fun Halloween themed match, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, watch the main event of Two Hundred Five Live this week because it was a uh, a fright night, fatal four way, and. One one of the spots was that I believe it was Tony Nice had a bag of thumbtacks that he was going to lay out on a table, and he found out that those were not thumbtacks; they were in fact something much worse. It was candy corn. So yeah, using a, a bag of candy corn as a weapon, and then also throwing pumpkins at other people is that's fun. I don't, the match wasn't particularly special, but they at least, like, actually had legitimate fun with the match. But yeah, don't, don't expect to hear about this Trick or Street fight at the end of the year when we do our worst of awards, because I'm, I'm likely gonna fight for it to be on the top, or should I say bottom three. Uh, the main event of Raw was a women's uh, mat- championship match between Mickey James and the champion Alexa Bliss because they had such a great match at the pay per view. I was I was raving about it on the show. I was talking about how this was like one of the it was the high one of the highlights of TLC was that women's match they had again. This was not a good match between these two. It was fine, but the crowd didn't care. I didn't care. It's 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 the end of a three hour show. Everyone was checked out, and they didn't really put their full effort into it. And it's whatever. Alexa Bliss retained the belt because of course she did. You know, I got Mickey James against Natalia at that Survivor Series. That's no no one wants to see that. So yeah, that's a that's a real shame because the women have been like working really hard lately. Or at least, you know, Mick, Alexa Bliss and Mickey James had at the pay-per-view. And, like, actually made people take notice. And whereas now they're just thrown into these bad situations where it's really hard to succeed. And, uh, they weren't given a lot of time and it's, it's a shame. I like Alexa Bliss a lot. And not just because she used to be on SmackDown. She's legitimately a great character. And, uh, We'll we'll see how the match goes at uh, at Survivor Series. And uh, Bubba, you're saying is it bad that you knew it was going to be Candy Corn regarding the Grizzlyweight match before it happened? Um, uh, no. I mean, if you're watching the match, you knew shenanigans were going on, and they weren't going to do thumbtacks on a on on WWE TV in 2017 unless Chris Jericho was involved. So yeah, that's it was a good bit. I don't give 205 Live a lot of credit. I'll give, I'll give him that one. It, it, it was fun. 
And uh, Raw ended with. Well, I see this. This was fun. The whole Braun Strowman thing, illogical, absolutely idiotic. Yes, idiotic. Fun, absolutely fun. Because last time we saw Braun Strowman, he was murdered. He died in a trash compactor in the back of a tr- of a, of a of a trash truck and driven away. I believe this was in Minneapolis where this happened. And now a little over a week later, we're in Baltimore and he's coming back in the back of a totally different trash truck. 100% okay. Like I said, doesn't make any sense, but I'm all with it because the way it was shot with the camera inside the limo, which is a sign that stupid shit's going to happen to WWE when you see that. The reaction of the Miz and the Miztourage freaking out is pretty much they're doing like a horror movie thing with this, and it was hilarious. Plus, Braun Strowman straight up murdered people with his running power slam. Killed everyone. Total destruction. Braun Strowman's the best. Apparently, he cannot be killed. The ambulance crushing didn't kill him. Being crushed into a into a trash compactor didn't stop him. I I don't even know. Like, do you need like a silver bullet to kill this man? And I don't even know if that would do it. He's pretty much unstoppable, and it's awesome. I I, I still wish he'd beaten Brock Lesnar when they had that match, but you know you can't always get what you want. But they're they're doing a good job with him right now. I I'm on board. Good, good stuff for Braun Strowman. And uh, Bubba asked, "Do you subscribe to the idea that the main, the real main event of Raw runs uh, near the end of hour two? One hundred percent, absolutely, yes. That is pretty much when the people stop tuning in is when hour three starts. So they usually put in their best stuff there because if you remember for the past few." A few weeks ago, the main event was the cruiserweights, and not always the cruiserweights have a match, but sometimes it was promos they were cutting, and it was no good. Remember, like months ago, when it was a big cast against Big Show as the main event for main event in quotation marks in hour three. Yeah, they don't, they don't care about hour three. No, no one's, no, no one can sit through three hours of wrestling. Like, that's why when I'm going to go to SmackDown after the Royal Rumble, because I, I bought tickets to all the shows. Um, after SmackDown ends, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. I don't even want to sit through the three hours of Raw that, I'm, that I have, have, but I'm going to do it. i got nothing else to do. But if I have the option to leave before 205 Live starts, bet <laughs> your ass I'm leaving. I went to SmackDown months ago when it before 205 Live debuted, when it was just the two hours, perfect amount of time. I had a great time. Didn't feel too long. Didn't feel rushed. Like, I got what I wanted out of the show, and I left happy, and also it was 10 o'clock at night instead of 11. So yeah, they the third hour of Raw is nothing. And if you saw the ratings this week for Raw, it actually like had the biggest drop from hour two to three ever. 
during the three hour uh, era of of Raw, which has been going on for years now. So yeah, the third hour of Raw was bad. They don't they don't put any effort into it. They they put the big stuff in hour two. Um, and that's that's all I got for Raw. Like for not really being prepared to cover it, I think I did a pretty bang up job there. Wish I knew where John was. He's still he still hasn't texted me or anything. That's that's bad. Hope hope he's okay. So now I guess now we're gonna talk about SmackDown, which is my show of choice. Again, I'm I'm wearing the T-shirt for SmackDown because I am part of the Under Siege. And speaking of Under Siege, uh, first I want to point out the the crowd on SmackDown keeps chanting Under Siege, and I think it's awesome because it just shows how much loyalty SmackDown fans have to the brand. Which, as one of those people, I can understand. It's it's good being the underdog. Raw's the flagship. Everyone everyone always goes, oh, I always tune in to Raw because it's my my tradition every week to watch Raw, or at least have it on in the background. But I tune in the Tuesday nights for SmackDown, and I watch it intently, and I have a great time doing it. And I am a fan, and I hope they win. I know this whole Survivor Series brand thing is bullshit, but I don't care. I'm, I'm going to buy into it, and I'm going to root for the blue team. I want them to succeed. Shane opens the show explaining pretty much, you know, why SmackDown is fighting Raw. He did a great job saying they're the A they're considered the A show. You know, they got twice as many draft picks as we did. They have like so much more, you know, given to them. Whereas SmackDown was just tre- treated as a secondary thing. And they started like trying to compete with Raw. They made the show live. They made Danny Bryan the GM. They started this whole land of opportunity thing. Giving people that didn't have chances before the the brand extension having opportunities to really make a name for themselves. And, you know, you can see that evidently by Jinder Mahal, of all people, being the champion, and Baron Corbin having a title. And, you know, Ty Dillinger getting to have TV time. Just showing that that is actually true. And, uh, apparently this didn't seem enough. Raw still being seen as the, the A show. So Shane had a meeting with his superstars and discussed this and decided the plan of attack was to go into Raw and invade them and kick their teeth in and prove that they are the superior show. And I thought it was cool. At least taking the effort to go, yeah, it was weird to have all these people working together, but we're going to try to explain it because these wrestlers have pride in the brand just like the fans have pride in it. And they're going to put aside their differences just to make a name for themselves. And it's good. I was happy with it. I really enjoyed that. Uh, Bubba says, I question how much loyalty it is and how much it's just plants getting the chance started and the crowd following. I don't think that's true. I actually think, like, as, again, one of the people who is loyal to SmackDown, it's it's been this way for a while. That at the shows people have been very pro-Smackdown. Even, like, a while ago, during the, uh, the brand, ex- the brand, uh, you know, Superstar Shake Up or whatever it was called, that, uh, even the crowd in Raw was, like, cheering for Smackdown and booing for Raw, even though they were at the Raw show. It was weird. 
Like, people actually do have a connection with SmackDown. And I'm kind of into it. Because, again, I'm one of those people. I understand it. So I don't, I don't think it's plants. I think it's, I think it's legit. Because it's been two weeks now they've been doing this under siege thing, and having been in crowds where some people try to do weird chants, if the crowd if the crowd doesn't support it, they're not gonna you know just follow along like sheep. They'll they will shoot it down. See, see those CM Punk chants, for example. So uh, yeah, Shane continued to go on saying, "Well, if Kurt Angle's gonna be the captain of Raw, he will be the captain of SmackDown." So we have her. Our second person confirmed for the team. It's Shane McMahon and Randy Orton. And, uh... In the night, we're going to have two qualifying matches to fill two more of the spots. One being a two-out-of-three falls match with Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler, which... Yeah, it wasn't bad. I didn't like the other two matches. This one was fine. If you watched live, they did a picture-in-picture during the commercials that they do. And they actually had Bobby Roode's fall happen during that. So that was a neat little touch. They went back when they went back on the air and, and re-showed it. But yeah. They 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 crammed the Strat 3 Falls match into the two-hour time frame that SmackDown has. And it was fine. Bobby Roode didn't, you know, hit his finisher for his first fall. But he did for the second one. And it made sense. And Bobby Roode is now on the team. The only problem is, he's still a babyface. And cuts garbage promos. Because if you listen to his in-ring promo afterward, he just could not make words go properly. He said, uh, I don't remember what he said. He was like, I'm tr- I'm, look, my, my opponents, they need to have, uh, I, I forget what the word was. He used the wrong word and then like reiterated the correct word afterward. And then he said, hashtag under siege and it was no good. Bobby Roode is not good in this character and seems to be super nervous on a live mic on the main roster. They need to quickly get him out of this face turn, making the cocky heel he was. Go yell, yell glorious, but doing it in a uh, a mocking fashion, and we're good. Uh, Bubba says that Bobby Roode was born to be heel. Exactly. He should be a heel. It's even in his name. He, and Yeah, he is. He was born to be rude. He's a rude dude. It's Bobby Roode. And come on, the whole glorious thing is supposed to be like him like saying, I'm glorious and you're not. I'm the greatest thing. I'm going to make... Like, remember when he was in NXT? He was like, I'm going to make this place... This crowd full of like CEOs and like millionaires. This is gonna be a luxury brand because it's all gl- highlighted by me, the the glorious one. And that was good. I I wish they would let him do that. We get it. the The theme song is catchy and it's fun. He's it, he could still have it in NXT and it still worked. Uh, the other qualifying match, which you know, I'll just get these out of the way, was uh. Kevin Owens against Shinsuke Nakamura in the main event. And uh, before, earlier in the night, we had a uh, locker room exchange between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn explaining why they would actually want to be on a team for Shane McMahon when they hate him. 
and Kevin Owens explaining that, you know, if if we lead SmackDown Live to victory over Raw, because fuck Raw, they're they're bad. But if we do that, Shane will be indebted to us because we're the ones that carry the team. And with with that leverage, we could have the Kevin and excuse me, the Sammy and Kevin show, and run this place. And I like that. They're like saying, you know, we still have this goal and we can use this as leverage by, you know, and also beating up Raw, killing two birds with one stone. And the fact that they're playing logic into this is great. I wish I wish Raw would do the same, but they don't really seem to care about making this logical outside of it's a barber series, we gotta hate SmackDown now. Beat us up that one time, but we're not doing anything about it. We're just going to keep the course. So I appreciate that. And the match was good. Uh, the stuff around the outside of it made sense. Sami Zayn came out, helped, tried to help Kevin Owens. But of course, Shinsuke's friend now, Randy Orton, even the odds, and uh, set up uh, the Kinshasa for the victory. So now Kevin and Sami are both sitting on the outside. Not getting what they wanted. While uh, Randy Orton and Shinsuke Nakamura are representing SmackDown. Along with Bobby Roode and, uh, and Shane McMahon. And as I wrote in the bat last night, which you can read over at ProWrestling.cool. It's our website. I actually detail and I question, what does this mean for those two coming to Survivor Series? Because now they don't have a match. Do they find themselves in a different match representing SmackDown? Do they... Come in and screw Shane McMahon out of the match, and to get revenge on him. I'm not sure. I I think they'll have to try to build something over the coming weeks about because these two are the focal point of the show. But it'll be curious to see what direction they go in. Uh, again, for, for, from a previous conversation, Bubba says, "I always saw Glorious as inherently heel. How can you make someone with?" That music a face. It's it's because it's catching people like to sing along. It it's still you're right, it still is very heelish. They they should make him a heel. Um what else happened on SmackDown of interest? Uh next week they announced that we're gonna have the Usos against uh John Benjamin and Chad Gable for the tag titles, which means their their match at Survivor Series is up for grabs in this one. I really hope the Usos retain. I I don't want to see Gable and Benjamin fighting the Shield. That's a way less interesting match. Uh, we had the the Singh brother versus AJ Styles match, which was dumb. And I'm guessing is uh, slowly setting up a match between these two at at Clash Champions in December because. With all this build, you're really not going to just blow the AJ Styles match on television to set him up for the Brock Lesnar match, are you? That, that'd be terrible. The Bludgeon Brothers cut a promo. They're still in the woods. They're still saying a bunch of crazy shit and hitting the camera with the hammers. I'm all on board for that. Uh, the women had a backstage segment where they were all... Again, doing the doing the legwork to establish why they're teaming up 
for Survivor Series with Becky Lee in the chart explaining, you know, again, we're seen as the inferior show. Like, we don't get respect. Screw these, screw the, these raw people. We're going to kick their ass. Everyone in. And then Natalia, the one person not in the match, comes in, heals it up, and continues to establish her feud with Charlotte, saying that she's the weak link. And if they lose, it's all her. It's going to be all her fault. Which could set up a really good scenario where Charlotte is the, is the sole survivor up until the end and then either wins it all to set up a title match or loses it all and still get the match. But based on getting angry and blaming uh, Natalia for it. Because clearly that's where they're going. These two are going to continue to go at it. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that one goes. But yeah, again, I appreciate them trying to set up the reason why this uh, match is going on. We had we had Baron Corbin and Sin Cara fight again. That's the third week in a row this has been going on. First time Sin Cara won by count out. The second time Sin Cara won by disqualification. Can I point out that Baron Corbin is a United States champion? And I need to keep reminding myself that. The only reason I know is because he's fight he's having a Twitter feud with the Miz. God, he's just decimating that belt. It is not it is not doing well because I keep forgetting that it exists. And now he's freaking losing to Sin Cara a whole bunch of all people. And now we're getting this bullshit in this match where he keeps trying to rip off the mask for some reason, because he's embarrassed, I guess, from losing, and now he wants to embarrass Sin Cara. And it causes him to go all crazy and throw an announcer chair at Baron Corbin and get disqualified. I, I, I don't... I have a feeling this is going to lead to a title versus mask match, and Sin Cara's just going to lose his mask. Because, really, you're not, you're not going to put the belt on him. Come on, now. So, yeah, it's... I don't know what's going on there. I I I just don't know. It's it it it's not benefiting anyone. Bob says in the match award for who gives a crap match of the week goes to. No, I'm gonna give that award to the uh, the Samir Singh versus AJ Styles match because I tuned out of that one way more, and it actually had a finish because of course it did, but also. Why are you wasting AJ Styles in this? This is that was just the most useless thing of the week. What else did we have on? Let me take a look here. Oh, we have I have two more things I can talk about for SmackDown. One being the new day, having the best Halloween costumes. If you if you didn't see it, uh, Xavier Woods was dressed up as Jimmy Hart. Kofi Kingston was dressed up as Brother Love with the red face and everything. Oh my god, it looked so good. And Biggie as Akeem the African Dream, which is really, really weird to see a black man play a white man who's playing a black man. It's meta as hell. It's uh, it, It's incredible. But yeah, they were backstage giving out Halloween candy because this episode of SmackDown was on Halloween. And uh, 
everyone loves Halloween except Rusev because he loves Rusev Day, which is every day, and it's the best holiday apparently. And uh, and possibly the best setup for a match this year. Uh, he takes Biggie's candy that he had in his in his like pumpkin canister, dumps it on the ground, and stomps on it, <laughs> which pisses Biggie off incredibly. And demands that they have a match. <laughs> like I, I just love this. This is this was so great. This that is how you settle your differences and like you should actually just, like just don't just book matches for the sake of booking matches. This is a reason for these two to fight. You ruined this man's candy. Cl- he was gonna eat that candy or give it out, and you ruined it. You tried to ruin Halloween. Screw Rusev. He is brilliant. And the match they had was good with uh, the end coming with uh, in English getting up on the natural desk trying to sing about Rusev Day. Xavier Woods interrupting with his trombone and then getting clocked and uh, leading up to a distraction super kick by Rusev for the win. Rusev super stoked about this. It was great. And uh and uh, Bubba in the chat says it makes just as much sense as anything else in the WWE universe. It's true, but come on, feuding over candy, they spilt candy, it's that's fun. See, that's the kind of fun Halloween stuff I'm into. Because it doesn't detract from the wrestling too much. But I think the best part, which someone pointed out to me earlier today about uh, this whole Rusev thing, is that when he went back to Shane's office... He asked him if he was elated about Rusev's big victory. Which, if you remember uh, back when Rusev got that quick pin on Randy Orton, uh, Renee interviewed him backstage and asked if he was elated. And Rusev replied by saying he does not know what that word means. So, very subtly, in between the time of that interview and now... He had learned the word and how to use it and decided to use it in a promo. Awesome detail. I, I really enjoy that. So, he talked to Shane about that. You know, Rusev Day being great. He wants to be, Now he's on a hot streak now after one win. Wants to represent SmackDown on the Survivor Series team. And he will have his qualifying match for the last spot next week against AJ Styles. And... We all know how that one's gonna go. Clearly, AJ Styles is gonna is gonna win. Yeah. And Bubba says someone won with a super kick. That's the first in a long time. Well, when you consider that Dolph Ziggler is the one doing the super kicks, and he's kind of garbage and doesn't win. Outside of like you know grabbing tights, I guess it makes sense. Um. The last thing I want to talk about for SmackDown is the Stranger Things parodied for the Fashion Vials, which they are starting to get back on a hot streak with these things. I'm really enjoying this. If if you haven't seen it, go on YouTube or Hulu or whatever your streaming option of whatever. Just go go find it on the internet and go watch it. It's it's great. If you are a fan of Stranger Things Season 1, which is where the references came from, um, it was fun. We had uh, 
we had Fandango feeding somebody under a sheet some some waffles, which were not Eggos, they were Uggos. We had uh we had Victor dressed up as Barb, which you know everyone knows Barb sucks. He was still talking about the gluten free stuff. Uh Connor came in dressed up as Kane for Halloween, which freaked everyone out because they thought it was an invasion. Uh Tyler Breeze was dressed up as eleven. Uh the person behind the, under the sheet was actually in an, another eleven, except they were ten because it was Ty Dillinger. It was fun. Also, it it ended with uh, them having a cork board up with all the, the possible suspects for who the 2B is, despite the fact that the Ascension keeps saying that it's the Bludgeon Brothers. Again, highlights it's the Bludgeon Brothers. There's a, there's a rustle in the, in, in the darkness. Everyone's apparently been kidnapped. And someone on a small screen with a mask says, let the games begin. Pretty sure next up is going to be a Saw parody with them all chained up, having to solve a puzzle, and that's I'm all bored for that. I love I love the Saw series of movies. That could be fun. I wish we could see Brazongo and the Ascension having wrestling matches, but this these are still fun. I'm enjoying these. This this is a good time. I'm glad to see these two these guys all being creative and having fun on TV. So yeah, that's that's it for SmackDown. SmackDown was a good episode this week. I, I had a good time. I'm, again, appreciating them building up toward uh, Survivor Series in a logical way. And plus, we got big matches set up for next week with uh, the tag title match between the Usos and Gable and Benjamin and the AJ Styles versus Rusev match to qualify for the team. So, over, all around, good episode overall. Uh, excuse me. What am I saying? A good episode of SmackDown. Raw's garbage. Don't, don't, don't watch them. Um, and now at the, at the end here, we usually talk about NXT, but I did not watch NXT because I was busy preparing stuff for the show. John is usually our guy to cover NXT. So the only things that I can, uh, I can glean from looking at the results is that they finally announced what is going on with uh, NFC TakeOver Houston. Because it's not TakeOver Houston, it's TakeOver War Games. And we have our match set up between Sanity, the Authors of Pain, with um, Roderick Strong, and the Undisputed Era. I'm not, not too crazy about them doing the whole three-team thing, because War Games should be two teams. But I guess I'll let them do do the best they can with it. Hopefully, it works out well. I I can't confirm there are going to be two rings with the cage over both of them. That's going to be fun. As long as I have the coin toss. Wait, I don't even know how they could do a coin toss with the there being three teams. Or is it going to be all a member of all three teams started and then they? One by one have members enter from the teams. Because if you don't know how War Games works, there are no decisions until... Because it starts out with... In the traditional, it's two teams. A person from each team starts. Then every few minutes, they alternate between members of both of either team 
during the match. And the decisions don't get activated until everyone's in and the match beyond starts. And then it's win by submission or surrender. Which you may think it's the same thing, but it's it's not. It's war. Surrender is an option. It's 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 fun. You sh- if you haven't seen them, go watch the old ones between Dusty Rose and the Horsemen. Those are fantastic stuff. So that yeah, war game should be fun. I actually looked into tickets to fly down to Houston to go see it, but unfortunately they're very expensive, and also I have plans to attend something else that night, so... I'm not even going to see it live. It's, that sucks. I love War Games. War Games is my favorite match type. And, uh... Bubba asked another question. The real question is, when will Dean Ambrose learn how to pull a punch? And the answer is, never. He's the lunatic fringe. And by that, it means he has license to punch people. I guess. I don't know. As long as he doesn't punch his wife, it's, everything's fine. So yeah, war games coming up should be fun. Looking forward to that. Survivor Series is coming up, starting to shape up nicely. Hopefully, hopefully we get some more matches between the two brands aside from this, the elimination matches. I'm trying to think, who, who, what what would what else could they do? Could they do a tag team? Survivor Series match? Do they have enough teams for that? I don't know. I guess I guess we'll. F- I'm assuming they're not going to do any, you know, internal brand fighting on the show, since that's not the theme of the show. I guess we'll find out. And I guess that's going to do it for Kill Turn. Like I've talked for quite a bit of time. I talked for about over a little over an hour now, by myself. Don't know where John is. Hope he's okay. But that's that's it for Heel Turn. Th- thanks everyone for tuning in and dealing with me by myself. And a huge thanks to Bubba in the chat for, you know, giving me something to work with, at least. Because it is not easy to do a show by yourself. Let me just say that. I hope, hope John's okay. Hope he comes back next week. And, uh, you can follow the show at ProWrestling.Cool. It's our website. We have About Last Night's up. Uh, I, I believe that I'm going to start covering Raw for the website now because John doesn't want to write about it. So I'm, I'm going to start doing that as well as my my SmackDown coverage. Statistics, hot takes where our, our writer friend Michael um, comes in every Friday and writes about a topic he cares about. Usually controversial, always a good read. He is a fantastic writer. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at the Heel Turn and at PWDOTC. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash PWDOTC. It's DOT because it's dot. We can't put a dot into these your these uh, usernames. So just understand it's progressing.cool, PWDOT, and then C. However, on our Patreon, we don't need the DOT because we, for some reason, available was patreon.com slash PWC. You can support the show there. We really, really appreciate even a dollar a month because it unlocks the the show notes. 
uh, higher tiers can get you can access to being on our pre-show where you can chat with me on the air about whatever's going on in wrestling that week. Um, me and John are trying to put out a, a premium podcast every month uh, where we do our fancy booking improv exercise where we take turns booking really bizarre variations of the matches for the pay-per-view, take our real ideas, hodgepodge them together. It's it's a lot of fun. We did one for uh, Hell in a Cell last month. Uh, we're we're going to do one for uh, for Survivor Series. If 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 he you know comes back, he might be in the uh, the upside down. I, I I don't know where he is. So make sure you do that. Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter at the ozone, uh, at the underscore ozone. Um, the Twitch is at twitch.tv slash ozone online. You can search prowrestling.cool on YouTube. We're starting to do streaming on that because. We want to be able to reach people on the platforms that they like. And apparently YouTube's a cool thing. Who who would have thunk? Who would have thunk? But yeah, that, that's it for Heel Turn. Thank you for tuning in. We will be back next week, hopefully with a, a, a regular episode. Hopefully I'm not by myself again, please. And um, until then, um, John, John, please come back. I, I miss you. I, I, I can't do this by myself. This podcast is a part of the Zonecast Network. Produced and edited by Owen Douglas. Find more of our shows at zonecast.com.